What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. You know, I want to encourage you this morning. You know, there's a lot of discouragement in the world. But in this place, this morning, we encourage one another. Because we have a great and we have a mighty Savior who loves us, who gave his life for us. What a blessing that is. What a powerful name that is. You know, this morning I want to speak about unfinished business. And, um, you know, I think that could apply to a lot of things in each one of our lives. Some unfinished business. You know, finishing. When we talk about finishing, it's probably the, one of the hardest things for a person to do is to finish something. And, um, you know, we're great starters, we like to start things and, and um, you know, we can, we can embark on new things and, you know, a new project, a new this, a new that. But it's hard for us to finish. And many times it's really hard to carry things through. You know, and a lot of the stress that people have in their lives comes not because they don't they're overwhelmed with how much they have to do, but a lot of the stress comes from having things that need to be finished. You know, when it's like we, we haven't quite finished them. And, um, you know, even though our intentions are good and true and sincere, we lack the ability to finish what we start much of the time. You know, Max Lucado, um, I say Lucado, you say Lucado, um, you know. He says, our human tendency is to quit too soon. Our human tendency is to stop before we get to the finish line. Our inability to finish what we start is seen in the smallest things, like a partly mowed lawn, a half-read book, a letter begun but never completed, an abandoned diet, a car up on blocks, or it shows up in the most painful of ways, like an abandoned child, a cold faith, a job hopper, a wrecked marriage, or an unevangelized world. In John chapter 19, Jesus, as he was stretched out and nailed to that cross, I want to read in verse 28, it says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished, to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty, and a jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. And therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Loving Father, I thank you for this time. I ask, Father, that you would be glorified through the Son in this moment. 
And Father, as we study your word together, as we see what you have for us, I pray, Father, that our hearts would be quickened by your Holy Spirit. And Father, that you would drag to light those areas that we have of unfinished business in our lives. I ask God that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, in our life, we're often tempted to quit so many times because of the odds. They may be against us or because of the the enemy who is against the successes that God has in store for us. And, And Jesus, you need to understand this, if you feel like quitting... Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, only he didn't quit. And I mean, he felt like quitting, I'm sure, but he pressed on to a victory. When he is dying there on the cross and he says, it is finished, he's talking about a completed work. He's talking about things are done. It's not a a cry of defeat. It's a cry of relief, a cry of victory, a cry of fulfillment. It is finished. It is finished. And he carries our defeats. And he carries our defeats against sin and Satan and even ourselves. He carries all of that on the cross. And when he says it is finished, that is exactly what he means Because we need to understand this morning that God has not left any of his work unfinished. Oh yeah, we're all works in progress. But God has finished his work. Think about this. In creation, he worked diligently for six days. And then the heavens and the earth were were finished and God rested. But only after he had completed His work. And what did he say about it? It is good. It is very good. See, this statement by Jesus on the cross, it it marked a completion of recreation. (laughs) And it was very, very good. I mean, think about this. How good was it? How good was what Jesus accomplished on the cross? How good was it? I mean, ask any forgiven sinner. He'll tell you. Ask any person who has been healed from cancer about the grace of our Lord, and she will tell you, or he will tell you. Ask the drug addict. Ask the prostitute. Ask the adulterer. Ask the gambler and the thief. They will tell you. Ask anyone whose life has been transformed by Jesus Christ and they will tell you the finished work of Christ is good. It is very good. He has saved us. And we're not going to get what we deserve. See, God has not left any of his work unfinished. In Philippians 1, chapter 1, verse 6 Paul writes this, he says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it, will complete it, until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, even laying on his deathbed, the Apostle Paul gave that testimony that ought to strengthen 
our get up and go. He said, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. You know, that's not a golfing or a college curriculum, you know, reference there. I've finished the course. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the fact that God has finished what he started in his life. See, Jesus gathered his disciples together around him just before his impending death. And he prayed his great intercessory prayer in John chapter 17. In verse 4, he says this. He says, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. He's accomplished God's work. Later, he cries out from the cross. It is finished. See that Greek word, tetelestai. Tetelestai. It means complete and is translated, it is finished. See, it's, it's kind of unfamiliar to us. We don't go around saying that word when we complete something. But I, I think you will understand that various people used it in everyday life. I mean, you think about a servant a servant used this word to telestai when he was reporting back to his master, I have completed the work that you assigned to me. Or when a priest would examine one of the animals of sacrifice, he would look at that animal and, and if it was found fa- faultless, if it was found without blemish, then he would say that, that, that it was uh, uh, telestai. It was complete. It was perfect. It was finished. And Jesus, of course, being the perfect Lamb of God without spot or blemish. Maybe when an artist finished his drawing or a writer finished their manuscript, he or she might say, it is finished. See, the death on the cross of Jesus, it completes the picture that God has been painting and the story that he's been writing for centuries. It is finished. And because of the cross, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we understand the, the Old Testament prophecies and the, the, the rituals and the ceremonies better because of what Christ did on the cross. But maybe... Just maybe the most lucid meaning, the, the, the clearest meaning that we have of tetelestai is that one that's used by merchants, which says the debt is paid in full. The debt is paid in full. See, this morning I just want to highlight the work that Jesus completed specifically three areas within the work that Christ did for you and I that are completed where there is no unfinished business I mean we have completed redemption think about this completed redemption I remember a fellow that got on a city bus and he he handed the the driver what he thought was a transfer ticket And the driver exclaimed, he said, oh, he did, did he? 
mistakenly, he had handed him a pamphlet that said on the front, Jesus paid it all. You know, he did. He paid it all. And and no one can accuse Jesus of unfinished business. Think about this. No one can accuse him of unfinished business. He didn't renege. He didn't fall short on his responsibility. Now, Jesus probably didn't pay your bus fare. But let me tell you something. He paid your way all the way to heaven. For you and for me, he paid the way all the way to heaven. You see, we sing that hymn, that wonderful hymn, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain, a bloody stain, but he washed it white as snow. Oh, the love of Christ. See, he went all the way to the cross for us. He wasn't murdered on the cross His life was not taken from him. He freely gave it. At the time of his choosing to atone for our sin. He willingly laid it down. Willingly laid it down. And his death provided the means of atonement so that we could be made right with God. But make no mistake about it. Jesus Christ was in control the whole time. I love this passage because it says, and, as, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He freely gave his spirit. You see, but having risen triumphant from the grave, he conquered sin and he conquered death. We don't have to fear that any longer. He is our salvation. I mean, can somebody say amen? I mean, this should excite you. This should excite you because those who belong to Christ in salvation have no fear of sin or death or the grave. Because the same power that raised Jesus from the grave on that day will raise me from the grave and will raise you from the grave. I mean, what joy that should bring. I mean, everyone longs for spiritual and emotional and physical and and financial freedom. Everyone longs for that. But for many, the pursuit of that freedom leads to bondage. They get wrapped up in it, trying to become financially free. They get into bondage. Trying to become emotionally free, they get into bondage. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, or excuse me, chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. He says, knowing, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. Verse 19 says, but with the precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, The blood of Christ. You've been redeemed. You've been purchased. You've been bought back by that blood of Jesus Christ. I love that. Because that means that we have complete redemption. He didn't just redeem us part of the way. He redeemed us all the way. 
That's very important. Because we have complete redemption, but we also have complete regeneration. Now stay with me for just a moment here. You know, we hadn't lived in Texas very long. And uh, where I come from, up in Oregon, they don't have Whataburger. And so, you know, we're, we're driving and, and, and we're hungry and we decide, well, let's stop and get a bite to eat. And so we stop at Whataburger. And we, it's kind of a mouthful just to say the name. And, and we're, we're there and we're in the drive through And I hate going through the drive through and being the guy that places the order for everybody else. Okay, I'm going to just say that. I hate that. Because I feel like I'm going to mess it up somehow. You know, and then you get comments from the back seat and from the passenger seat and from everywhere in between. So you're on the spot when you're there in front of the intercom. And, uh, you know, I I, uh, pull up there and the lady says, welcome to Whataburger, can I help you? And and, uh, I looked over at Tracy and and she's staring at the board intently and it's all new to us. And and she's like, uh, uh, I don't know, I'll just have one of those whatcha chickens. So I repeat what I hear. I said, well, I guess we'll just have one of those whatcha chickens. And the lady said, you mean a what a chicken? And I said, yeah, a whatcha chicken. She said, can I get you anything else? I said, yeah, I'd like a, I'd like a burger. Um, and, and she, you know, I'm thinking about things. And, and she said, um, um, mustard or mayo? And I was like, oh, man, even my wife knows not to ask me two questions. You know? I'm, I'm, and I always answer, okay, or yeah. Okay, sure. So I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, mustard or mayo? And I said, uh, I don't know, can I have both? And she said, mustard or mayo? And I guess I mumbled it, she didn't hear it, whatever. And, and I said, uh, sure. And then she asked me the question that really threw me off. She said, all the way? I have no idea what she's talking about. I have no idea. I know now. I know now that she's talking about the vegetables and the things that go on with that. I had no idea. I thought she meant she was going to put mustard and mayonnaise on the whole bun. I, I had no clue what she meant all the way. I do now. I realize now that that means, do you want all the normal vegetables and condiments that come with it? Okay. I didn't know that. Totally confused. I just said, sure. Okay. Well, we enjoyed our Whataburger and our our experience. My point is this. Listen. When Jesus Christ saves us, we are saved all the way. We are saved all the way. We are given eternal life everlasting life. We are given eternal life along with all the benefits that come with it. He saves us for all eternity. It's eternal. And when He comes into our hearts, He saves us and we have all of Him. He saves us all the way. See, we're not saved in stages and we don't need a second work of grace in order to get in. Scripture doesn't tell us we have to be born again and again and again and again. Scripture tells us to be born again, but when we are born again, we are saved all the way. 
See, God doesn't give us a 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. He doesn't give us a a, a 100,000-mile life. He gives us eternal life. He makes all things new. He completely regenerates. I love that because when Jesus Christ saves us, we are saved all the way. Complete redemption, complete regeneration. I mean, Scripture tells us if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. But we also have a complete revelation. I mean, the Bible says, you know, when when we read the Bible, it wasn't complete in the New Testament days. We think about this because um, if you read God's word, it says in 1 Corinthians, this is what Paul writes. He says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. Follow me on this. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, men were instructed by visions and by the voice of God, speaking from a burning bush, out of the cloud, out of the pillar of fire, or, or the voice of an angel. God spoke and made his will known. You know, in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. It says, And word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. Which means that every man, every person did what they felt was right in their own eyes. Now, after the book of Daniel was written, he was instructed in chapter 12, verse 4, But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth and knowledge will increase. In contrast to this, the book of Revelation, a parallel to Daniel, was not to be sealed. Revelation 22.10 says, And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. (laughs) You know, a solemn word of warning was then given. Don't add anything to it. Don't take anything away from it. Don't add anything to it. Don't take anything away from it. Because the Bible is a complete revelation. It is finished. The Bible is a complete revelation. We don't need another testament. We don't need another something else. This is a complete revelation of God and who God is. You see, Jesus Christ is the complete revelation of God. Jesus Christ is the complete revelation of God. It says in Colossians 1, verse 15, it says he is the image of the invisible God. When we think about who Jesus is, he is God. He is Jesus in the flesh. He is God in the flesh. And God's word tells us all that we need to know about who God is and his plan for us. You see, we have complete Redemption. We have complete regeneration and we have complete revelation. All of these are the completed work of God. In Jesus Christ, through Christ, we have all of this that is completed. And what we really need is we really need complete repentance. 
complete repentance. Because here's where the trouble comes in. The repentance part is unfinished business. I mean, God has done his part. He's completed the redemption. He's also completed the regeneration. And he's completed the revelation. But we have not completed and completely repented. See, repentance means that I own responsibility for my part in what is unsatisfactory behavior. I accept responsibility for what is, uh, for what is and, and, and what will be new behavior. Repentance is owning responsibility for what was, accepting responsibility for what is, and now behaving responsible. It's a responsible action. But you see, repentance is not a matter of punishing ourselves for past mistakes. That's not repentance. Repentance is not hating ourselves for our past failures. That's not repentance. Repentance is not depressing ourselves with feelings of worthlessness. That has nothing to do with repentance. Repentance is owning the responsibility for that un, uh, unacceptable behavior. Repentance is finishing the unfinished business of my past. Of choosing to live in new ways that will not repeat those old unsatisfactory situations. And you see in the full meaning of the word repentance... Repentance is a process, a process of turning away from sin. Repentance means unconditional surrender to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, the things that we hang on to. See, repentance is totally submitting to another's will. Of saying, Lord, you're the boss. You're the one who calls the shots. It's not about me. I'm going to turn it all over to you. It's surrender. Lord, I will do whatever you say. Lord, I will do whatever you tell me through your word. Lord, I will do whatever I can to turn away from sin. See, there's a big difference between being penitent or giving penance and being repentant. Judas did penance when he gave back the silver. Peter repented and wept bitterly. Jesus said this in Luke 13. Jesus said, but unless you repent... You will all likewise perish. Peter said to them in his sermon, Repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul in his sermon in Acts 17, he said, Therefore having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. Are you close to quitting? Don't give up. 
Are you discouraged as a parent? Don't give up. Hang in there. Are you weary of doing well? Don't give in. Don't give up. Are you pessimistic about your job? Roll up your sleeves and do it again. Are you tired of believing? Hold on just a little longer. Is there communication problems in your marriage? Give it one more shot. Can't resist temptation? Accept God's forgiveness and go one more round. Great grief. Stop doing bad and do better. The reason that we need a Savior is because we can't do it on our own. We need to rely on Him. When the temptation is, is, is hard, give in to Him. Don't give in to the temptation. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. See, this passage is personal for me. Because I've identified myself with the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, do you know Jesus as your Savior? You need to know him if you don't. I make that appeal to you because your eternal life is in jeopardy if you don't know Jesus. See, I urge you to respond to his call for salvation. Because to the sinner... There is no salvation apart from repentance. Jesus said, unless you likewise repent, you will perish. See, if you are saved, I pray that you would be reminded of all that Jesus, all that he endured for you. Because to the child of God, without complete, wholehearted, full repentance... There's not going to be any power to overcome as long as we're hanging on to it. If we're not repentant of it, there's not going to be any peace that passes the, all understanding. There's not going to be the joy unspeakable or, the, or the, the cup running over or the abundant life. Because you're making a choice to hang on and coddle the sin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we get punctured through. We get punctured through by the word of God. My point is, is that Jesus completed what God had for him to do. We need to complete what God has for us to do. And apart from him, we can't do it. I mean, this, cha- this passage ought to challenge every believer... To live a life that honors Christ. I mean, he's worthy of our love and devotion. See, God did his part. Now we need to do ours. See, when we do this individually and corporately, there's no limit to what God could achieve right here in Temple. And around the world through this body. I mean God left us here for a reason. You have purpose to be here. 
He left us here for a reason. There's some unfinished business to do. And thank God that he gives us time today to do that. Will you accept him? Will you accept Jesus as your Lord? The Lord of your life by trusting him as your Savior today? Will you do that? Some of you may be thinking, well, I've already done that. Are you hanging on to something? Is there some unfinished business that you need to let go and give to the Lord? Folks, we're all walking this journey together. Each one of us. As a family, as brothers and sisters in Christ. We need, we need his redemption in our relationships. We need his regeneration in our relationships. We need all of that in our, in our relationships. I would say, most of all, we need repentance in our relationships with him and with each other. Will you commit yourself today to completing any unfinished business